Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha, Dr. Amanda Kelly here today to talk about some strategies that might be successful when we're stuck inside, particularly for families and individuals who may be dealing with severe behaviors. A quote from the Child Mind Institute to get us started. A child who appears to be oppositional or aggressive may be reacting to anxiety. Anxiety they may not be able to articulate effectively. If you are a provider or a parent or anyone who has had any experience working with individuals who exhibit challenging behavior, such as individuals with autism, uh, intellectual disabilities, other uh, neurological conditions, then you know that often it comes down to communication or at least it starts there. With the COVID-19 or the coronavirus, it's something that we're all having a very difficult time wrapping our heads around. It's very unusual. It's not something we've seen in our lifetimes or in our parents' lifetimes or even our grandparents' lifetimes. So it can be extra challenging to communicate this change when we don't really fully know when the restrictions will be lifted or how long we will be in the shelter in place for those of you who are currently under those orders. So imagine how you're feeling and then amplify that feeling. It can be incredibly nerve wracking and anxiety provoking to experience change. And then even more so if you don't know why or somebody can't tell you what's happening. Now, there are some incredible resources that I've come across and new ones are being released every day. One of my favorite is a four minute video from Brain Pop on the coronavirus. On their website, they also have, uh, in addition to the short movie, a quiz, Uh, information about a map, looking at geography, some related readings, worksheets, and other things that can go along that might help you and your children process this event. So that might not be a way that communicates to everybody. This does depend on the communication and functioning level of the individual that you are working or treating or responsible for caring for. So some other really excellent ways to communicate this is using visuals and social stories. Social stories are typically short explanations. They are often visual and have some text that go with them, and they attempt to explain an event or an experience. Um, this might be done when you're having wisdom teeth removed, when a, somebody's coming to visit or you're going on a trip, or when you are faced with a situation such as lockdown and being socially isolated or distancing ourselves due to the coronavirus. Now, the research is a bit mixed on the effectiveness of social stories and whether they are effective on their own or with additional behavioral interventions. That's up to you to definitely go dig into, look more, read more about if that's of interest to you. But certainly uh, my experiences have been that they may prove helpful in communicating what's happening. And it might also be able to give that learner, that individual or your child something to go back to something to kind of repeat or remind them or um, sort of refresh what's going on. Or, hey, can we go to the store? No, we can't. We're inside. Here are our choices. So not only in communicating what's going on, like what is the coronavirus or what does it mean to us, but what are our options and how do we build some structure within our time, that's something that visuals can be very helpful when we are especially working with uh, individuals who may not have vocal speech. It's really important to take preventative measures, and if you're a caregiver for somebody who exhibits significant 
self-injurious or aggressive behavior or property destruction, then I'm probably not going to tell you too many things that are new to you. Hopefully there's something in this podcast that will be salient and relevant to you. But things like taking preventative measures and removing hazards from around your house is a step that you've probably already undertaken. If you are going to be in a different location at a neighbor or family's house, then that might be something that you want to do as well because it's less likely to have been done the way that it would be done in your home environment. You may also choose to, to strategically arrange some furniture uh, so that it's uh, harder to knock over the television, uh, maybe placing a coffee table in front of the TV would be one example of how you might uh, arrange the furniture to set yourself up for a more successful um, environment. You may also choose to have furniture in a way where it's open or where it creates separation. It's uh, up to you what makes the most sense with the individual that you're taking care of. If you are with somebody who has any motor or vision issues, you're going to want to take you know notice and let them know if anything has moved or changed so that that doesn't then increase um, any difficulty they might have with navigating. Also, be really, really mindful about visually changing and rearranging all of the furniture that presents as another change, which could present uh, behaviors maybe that are as a result of some anxiety. So these are things to take into account and to consider when you're at home for long periods of time. Maybe there are some things that do make sense to do, but I certainly don't recommend going and rearranging the entire household. You should definitely ask your neighbors to check in on you. Right now, we're, we're all practicing social distancing, so a phone call, a video chat, Facebook Messenger, there's a way to get in touch. And if you are not, you know, if you're not sure that you're going to be reaching out always at the time that you need support, this is something that can be very good just from a mental health you know, standpoint, from your own self-care, is scheduling or programming or asking certain friends, family, and neighbors to check on you. And you can also offer to do the same for others, maybe others in the same community. Now, there's a lot of information out there about developing schedules and what having a routine does and helps us plan and predict our day. That can be helpful for many. It can also become a great point of anxiety if the schedule continually changes or if there's things on it that we cannot control such as going outside to the park, but the weather is poor. So it's important to think about developing a schedule that is going to maximize what it is you're trying to do. You're also going to want to make sure that there are options that are available, and you're going to want to make sure that there are rules or expectations that are enforceable. And if not, then we want to make some adjustments, some antecedent manipulations, which means do some things prior to the occurrence of challenging behavior. Your schedule of activities will change, and many preferred activities are now restricted or off-limits. So it can be really, really important to get creative with what are other things that your child or your learner enjoys doing. If they enjoy watching certain movies or shows or songs, would they also like songs from the similar soundtrack? Or would they like watching um, another type of movie? Or if you could pair some of their favorite music with maybe um, videos of watching somebody cook, which might be neutral or potentially preferred, would it become something that's more enjoyable? 
Um, and if it's something that you have available, then these are the things that you're going to be limited with working with. So get creative. What are some activities that are available to you that are outside of your house? That's really important because we are supposed to be distancing ourselves from each other, but nothing says we must distance ourselves from nature. So if the weather is, you know, cooperating in your area, you know, taking walks, um, going on scavenger hunts, looking for certain things, playing I spy, this can be done also with visuals as well as uh, with when you're with um, somebody who has vocal speech. You might also choose to write out a schedule or you might choose to use a, vid a visual schedule. If you choose to write out a schedule, you can do this digitally or you can do this on a piece of paper, you can do this on a dry erase board. If you're gonna be using visual schedules, some really great places to get these icons are uh, things called Board Maker Share Online. You can also go to Google Images and Pixabay, which is spelled P-I-X-A-B-A-Y. These are great sites for finding images. You can choose to use a digital version, so you maybe want to save on your ink, or if it's something that your child or the individual you're working with would prefer to hold in their hands, then that's something that you can print. Again, this can be written or this can be visual, but it's important that we include choice for our, for our children, really. You know, hey, we're going to have a snack. Would you like a fruit smoothie or veggies and hummus? Um, we're going to watch a show. Did you want to watch Winnie the Pooh or Dora the Explorer? So you can provide choices while still maintaining what your expectation is for that scheduled activity or time. We want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to focus on fostering independence. Anything our children can do without our help gives them a sense of satisfaction and pride. It gives them space. And it also allows us to stop nagging, if you will, right? So um, we want to kind of think about what are some things that our children can do or the individuals we're working with can do that don't require any, you know, physical prompting or doesn't require somebody standing there and, you know, shouting out verbal instructions. And this might be achieved by writing them down or, again, using visual icons for the steps and creating a step-by-step -step task analysis. So what are the steps that must be followed in order to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? What are the steps that must be followed in order to um, connect this, you know, gaming device that you want to play? Anything that you can do that will, you know, increase their engagement while um, kind of using some time in the day that allows for independence is something that can help decrease uh, anxiety and aggressions when we are in close quarters. When our children can do for themselves, then they don't need us to do it for them. This allows all of us as much space as possible, which is much more valuable, you know, currently when we're all together. It is important to kind of consider or definitely to consider whether or not this is the right time to teach your child a new skill. If you have young children and, you know, toilet paper is a hot commodity and they're not yet toilet trained, but they're in that age range, this might be a great time to tackle that because you're home and you have the attention to provide. On the, you know, sort of opposite side of that coin, if you don't have additional support or staff or access to, you know, reinforcers or experts or family members, then it may not be an appropriate time to increase um, the expectations and to provide novel instructions if we're looking to maintain 
low rates of anxiety, aggressive, self-injurious, or property destruction. If you do not have the support or if access to potent reinforcers or if destructive behaviors are likely to escalate, then those would be reasons why I would not recommend teaching something new at this time. It's incredibly important to involve your child in their day. Having them uh, participate when possible in household activities will communicate naturally a bit of a schedule and will help with transitions. It can occupy time. If we have too much time to ourselves, we can become grumpy when interrupted. That's the same thing for your children or for the children that we're talking about. So, you know, five hours upstairs alone in their bedroom is probably not a great idea because when you place that demand or you say, hey, it's time to do, you know, take our shower, you might end up with explosive behavior. It's actually recommended that you interact and engage with individuals in your household on a semi-regular basis. Again, we don't want to be too persistent so that we're never giving any space, but we want to be really mindful about giving too much space or giving that much space for too long a period of time. Too much time alone does become hard disrupt and can result in explosive behaviors increasing. You want to balance that constant engagement with pure isolation. As previously mentioned, you want to provide choices when possible, which can give people some control over their environment. This can decrease anxiety and behaviors that are associated with these elevated emotional states. But I also caution you to recognize that too many choices can be overwhelming and can present their own challenges. So my recommendation is to provide choices, but to limit those choices to a menu of two or three. It's not what do you want to play right now? Do you want to do a puzzle? Do you want to do uh, a worksheet with, you know, your favorite numbers and colors? Do you want to color? Do you want to look on the iPad? Do you want to listen to music or do you want to play Jenga? It's, hey, we're going to do something for 30 minutes. Do you want to do a puzzle? Do you want to play Jenga or do you want to do cutting? Three choices. And again, those can be verbal or those can be visual. I want to just emphasize again what you already know, and that is that you know a lot. Take a deep breath, remind yourself of what you know, trust your gut, write things down. If something doesn't go the way that you hoped it would go, reflect on it and think what can we do next time before that behavior occurs, what can we do after it occurs, and how are we going to essentially take that experience as an opportunity to guide us for future success? It is up to you to make the rules and to change the rules. So choose your battles wisely, because when you give an instruction, you must follow through. Otherwise, you're basically saying the words coming out of my mouth have no meaning and you can disregard them. And that's certainly not what we want our children to you know, perceive about our instructions or our interactions. If I say, hey, you need to pick that up and put it in the trash, is that a battle that I'm willing to fight? And if not, I would just recommend not providing that instruction and instead just going and picking up the item and putting it in the trash. If it's something that's very important to you and you plan to follow through and that's something you've been working on and you don't want to sabotage a program that you've been developing and implementing with success, then by all means, go ahead and follow through, um, especially if you make that request. If you do not have the power or the energy to intervene, my recommendation is to just withhold that demand. When behaviors do escalate, it's important that you try to stay as calm as possible. Always be between your child and the exit. 
and be mindful about not placing your back against a corner or a wall. At the same time, be really thoughtful about where your child is positioned. If they feel cornered, they may also attack. If there's more than just one person in the room, have anyone who's unnecessary leave the room. We don't really need an audience and we can decrease the likelihood of any contributing attention that might be maintaining some of the behavior. You want to maintain non-threatening body language, but safe body language, so arms aren't crossed, but they're also not behind your back because you want to be able to protect your face. Remain as calm as you can. And again, if you're not necessary to be there, and if you're not posing a significant threat to themselves or to others, you should also or you also could leave the room. Take care of your mental health. This is going to be a long haul for all of us, and some of us have a lot more to worry about and manage maybe than others. Reach out to people who are online. Take use of some of these materials on Behavior Babe Cooped Up with Corona. You can find resources about, you know, virtual museum tours and books being read aloud by your, your children's favorite storybook characters. There are a lot of zoos offering tours and, and um, you know, close up of the animals. So let's get creative, um, but also let's make sure that you're taking that some of that time for yourself. Schedule walks or time in nature throughout your day if possible. Again, we want to isolate from others, but not being outside. Uh, if we just stay inside, this could contribute to some of our, our mental health things that can kind of get us going down a rabbit hole. This can be something that you can do by setting up even time to meet with other people. I've just learned that Netflix has now, I think with Google Hangouts, the ability to watch a movie with friends or family who are not in your household. Um, you can chat in the chat box. You can pause the movie together. It pauses for the whole group. So there's ways to simulate shared experiences and to do things online. And you can do things not just for your child or with your child, but do some things that really do bring you joy as well. Build in those times to do the things that you enjoy, and that will help you keep your sanity and hopefully keep everybody safe as we're struggling to survive this challenging time of being stuck inside. If you have other ideas or suggestions, I would love it if you would let me know. If you have other resources or links or codes or coupons to give out, I'd love to post them on my website. Please send me an email at behaviorbabeyahoo.com. And for everybody, all of us, Thank you for doing your part, for staying inside. Please stay inside. Um, and join me, you know, join me for future podcast conversations and for webinars and for all the great things that we're going to create during this time. Um, but hopefully we can at least create a sense of community right now and try to let everybody know that we're in it together. For more information, please check out my website, www.behaviorbabe.com. <music>